This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What is up, everybody? This is the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7 and with me, Kip Adams. Also, Dogs 24-7, Rusty is in transit somewhere, maybe to the moon. Maybe him and Elon Musk have hooked up. Rusty's headed to the moon or something. I don't know, but uh, he's out there beating beating the uh, bushes, trying to find information, and uh, and we're thankful for it over at Dogs 24-7. But uh, it's just us two today, and we have a packed show. Georgia's quarterback situation, Georgia's injury situation, an early look at Florida, and then two absolutely massive commitments for Georgia last week, and uh, both on the defensive line. Trey Scott on fire in fuego, as Dan Patrick would have said back in the day. Uh, Kip, let's talk about this quarterback situation where Kirby Smart says, hey, it's going to be dependent upon who's helping and practice. What say you? I mean, that makes sense. It's that's just common sense. It's, you know, everyone's kind of just maybe rolling their eyes and groaning whenever Kirby gives his, you know, his typical brushback or coach speech to the question, the same question he's been getting, you know, almost every single week this year. But at the end of the day, it really is about how they look in practice. I mean, it's one thing for JT Daniels to be able to make most of the throws, you know, without you know, without having some pain in there. But it's also, I mean, can he move around in the pocket? Are those throws getting the those tight windows that, that you want, you know, want him to get to? You, you know, if you're going to be playing, you know, one of the more talented teams in the conference, the you would think that, that that passing window would be a little bit smaller than what, you know, maybe Stetson Bennett's seen in previous weeks. But at the same time, even if it's the same, I mean, we already know that Stetson's been able to make those throws and we kind of, we know what Stetson can do. I mean, at the same time, he still is getting better as well. So if he's looking better in practice, why would you throw JT Daniels out there to start just to throw him out there to start? I think that, that that's basically what he's saying he has to be the guy that gives them the better chance to, to win this game this week. That's not saying that JT Daniels might not start at some point this week or, or this season or this week, but he has to go out there and, and look like the better quarterback in practice. And I just think that's, that's actually Kirby smart being honest. It's, it's not coach speak. It's just, and it's also just common sense. So I, I think it makes sense what he's saying. And I think that, you know, the the these last couple of practices are, are going to tell the tale of how they try to roll out these quarterbacks. You know, I'm of the opinion, and I've been, I've been totally honest about this, I do think JT Daniels raises the ceiling of Georgia's offense, okay? I mean, you look at the third down numbers. You look at how he looked in South Carolina, who if you – also if you want to, you know, get a little bit more in depth in this, South Carolina's defense is a pretty good defense, okay, pretty solid um above average sec defense and jt was out there and they had no answer for him 
I mean, he was, he started fast, he got it going and, and, you know, all of that's, you know, is part of the equation. Well, here's, here's the way Kirby smart has to look at it. And I think if everybody would kind of slow down a little bit and, and, you know, think about it, I think they would probably come up with the same way of doing it. You've got two practices. Let's see. And I, and I think this is going to be the case. I think the reps are going to be split almost down the middle this week. I think both guys are going to get a ton of work. Well, even if it's not split down the middle, whatever, if you've got one quarterback that let's say, let's say JT Daniels is healthy and he's practicing. And I saw him, I saw him throw yesterday and it looked good. I mean, balls coming out of his hand really well. It was live. He, he drove some balls in there, threw some balls accurately. It was against air. But but you can also tell if a quarterback looks comfortable throwing the football when he's throwing against air. And JT looked comfortable. All right. Well, if JT has practice this week and he struggles some, and you know he, he's not as quick in terms of seeing things, or he's not anticipating as well as he was, but Stetson has a great week of practice. I mean, can you imagine? the the absurdity of a coach saying all right man you didn't have a great week of practice and Stetson was lights out but we think you're going to do it on Saturday so we're going to put you out there that makes no sense now listen I understand if you've got a guy who maybe is not the best practice player out there and and he's a little bit of a gamer you know that's okay whatever you know that that is what it is and sometimes it takes you a little while longer to come around on that but one way I don't envy a coach is when you've got a guy who's getting it done on the practice field and a guy who isn't, and then it flip-flops in a game situation, which we haven't seen really anything to to suggest that that's the deal with Stetson and JT, that's a, that's a tough decision to make because you're sitting there and you're watching all of these reps and you're putting these quarterbacks in adverse situations in practice as adverse as they can possibly be without let, letting them get hit. And one quarterback is handling it better than the other. It's hard to say you know what, what we just spent four days doing doesn't matter. And we're just going to put you out there on Saturday and hope that it works out then. That's just not the way this works. And I, I say that on Monday or sorry, Tuesday of game week, because that hasn't happened for Georgia this weekend. And I'm not saying it has, but whoever practices better, whoever looks the best and looks the sharpest and is under control the most this week is, is going to play. And I think JT is going to be healthy. I think he's going to be fine. It's a day-by-day thing. Are you, hey, are you hurting today or are you not? And Kirby said that yesterday. He said that step one for them last week, and I know I'm getting a little long-winded here, but step one for them last week was JT not hurting before, during, or after his throwing sessions. It didn't happen. So they're adding to the pitch count. They're adding to the distances. And then ultimately, if JT looks like the better quarterback in practice or, or if it's right there together, you know, then, then maybe both of them play. Or if it's too close to call, who cares who plays? Because they've both, you know, shown that they can be ready to play. Um, but I do think that Georgia, in more ways than one, has such a good situation on its hands because, A, it's got two quarterbacks that – you know, maybe JT does get 30% of the reps this week because they're not quite comfortable with him being healthy. 30% of the reps is going to get JT Daniels ready to play. Stetson Bennett has shown he can be ready to play without any first-team reps. All right? So, he, I mean, he's been there. Is he ready mm-hmm. to be a Heisman favorite? No, but he can go out there and play winning football for you without a lot of reps. So Georgia has that. They've got two low-ego guys that aren't going aren't gonna to cash out in the middle of a season like this when when – they're not getting as many reps as they think they should get. They're both going to kind of be ready for their moment because they know they have to be ready for it. 
And 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 that's another way that Georgia and also they've just got two experienced quarterbacks who have won football games and 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 that's the way it goes. Kip, let's look at these injuries real quick. What did you make of basically Kirby saying that, you know, everybody but George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock is going to be at receiver? How big is that for George in a game like this? It's huge. It's it's actually what I've kind of been thinking about this. For, you know, we've been talking about quarterbacks and quarterbacks is obviously the topic du jour any day of the week. And I'm trying to think about comparing, you know, what what these two quarterbacks can do. And Stetson hasn't really had the, you know, the complete, you know, array of, of wideouts and pass catchers to really utilize. And so, you know, he's been using his legs and obviously Todd Monken's been doing a great job on, on first and second down, just putting him in great situations. But, you know, having these other guys out there in the field, you know, even if you're just rotating them in a couple series, I mean, that just, it, it gives you a lot more to work with, but also, I mean, maybe it takes a little bit off the plate and you're getting much better snaps from Lad McConkey and, and, you know, Brock Bowers and Jermaine Burton. And, that is such know, a huge point. That's such a I huge mean, point. These Sorry guys are be, being asked not just to block, but they're just out there. I mean, if you've ever been to like a seven-on-seven seven camp, you see 54 quarterbacks show up. And there's there's eight wide receivers out there, you know, you know, it's going to be a long day for those guys because they're just running routes after routes. They're trying to get work in, you know, maybe get some exposure as well. But you can see it as the day goes on. These guys are, you know, they got their hands in their hips and they're like, what did I just sign up for? Well, you know, it's been a little bit of that with Georgia's pass catchers this year. They're having to play a lot of snaps. And I mean, they've stepped up and, and done an outstanding job. But you have to think you know, maybe their performance level, you know, their efficiency would be even higher if you had these other guys, if you had Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint rotating in there, you know, if you had Arian Smith just for seven or eight plays, if he, you know, if he, if he runs an arrow route and gets that 50 yard catch he's known for and, uh, you know, has a, has a touchdown, maybe that, that gives some of these other guys a breather. And when they're coming back in there, you know, they're a little bit more fresh. So, you know, I obviously think that's a huge aspect, and it's just another kind of wrinkle of the have we seen Georgia's ceiling on offense yet? And, I mean, I think it's not too much of a stretch to say we, we haven't yet, and it's not just because of JT Daniels. It's just because we haven't seen Stetson out there with these guys, you know, either. So, yeah, if they're able to play, obviously, I think that means that they've looked good enough in practice and then they trust that these guys are ready to go out there and perform at the level that, that Georgia has been performing at so far this year. And if they're able to do that, you know, I, I think that bodes really, really well for this offense. And I think it'll it'll give us another wrinkle that, you know, opposing defenses haven't haven't seen. And it could be, you know, really difficult for these guys because, the weapons that they have right now, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a smaller group, four or five guys for the most part. They performed at a high level. And if you have eight to ten guys who can do that too, yeah. I mean, it, it just gives you more to work with, and it gives Todd Monken more to work with as well, more of his playbook. Think about it like this. You, you, you put together a 12-play drive as an offense, and you're running, you're throwing. You got these same receivers who are staying on the field because you don't really have the ability to substitute like you would like. These guys go through 11, 12 play drive, knock it out. Then your great defense comes out there and pitches a three and out, and then they've got to go do it again. All right. I mean, you can't tell me that that those guys wouldn't benefit from in series subs 
or transitional, you know, from offense to defense, back to, you know, offense, subs. I mean, they, they definitely would. And, and I know everybody out there, we, 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 I've seen it so many times over at the junkyard kit where everybody's like, man, you know, if Burton and, and Arian Smith and, and Marcus Rosenby Jack Saint come back, then, you know, are you going to take snaps away from Ladd McConkey and, and, uh, and uh, A.D. Mitchell? Yeah, because, you know, 40 snaps a games for those guys, they may be better with 28. They may be a lot better with 28. They may be more explosive. And not only that, the guys coming in, they're really good players too. And nobody runs on this football team like Arian Smith. Nobody. Uh, Jermaine Burton, you know, was one catch in about 10 yards, 15 yards away from breaking the school record in JT Daniels' debut as a, as a Bulldog last year. Uh, we're talking about playmakers. We're talking about high um, upside, high you know uh, um, percentage guys that can that can go out there and make huge plays for you, run after catch guys, guys that can beat defense over the top, that can open things up. And and you brought up a good point there. I mean, Stetson hasn't really had Jermaine Burton of late. Um, JT never got to throw the ball to Darnell Washington this year, really. Uh, Arian Smith, JT's only had maybe one game with him. I think that was the Clemson game. Uh, you know, Stetson would love to get Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint back. You know, he would love to get Arian Smith back. He only threw to him for one game. So, you know, there's a lot that these quarterbacks have to work with, and, and, and getting him back only makes Georgia better. This is not a situation where Georgia's getting back a single or two solid receivers that are possession guys. They're getting guys back who can potentially change the offense. And, you know, Jermaine Burton showed you that on the first touchdown against UAB and and, is, and, and did some good things, some really good things in that South Carolina game. Uh, Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint went healthy. I mean, the play he made last year against Florida where he dislocated his ankle was a big play, and, and he can do some big things for you. You get extra blockers out on the edge. The whole energy, the whole spreading it around, it's good for the receivers. Those guys put a lot of mileage on that football field on Saturday, and, uh, and, and that hand-to-hand combat on the edge with the blocking – is also massive in getting those guys back. Also, um, just to update everybody, Chris Smith, um, I feel like this question has maybe been asked a lot. Chris Smith was available to play against Kentucky. Georgia chose not to play him against Kentucky because they thought they could get by without him, and they did. Chris Smith's going to play against Florida, provided there are no other setbacks. So that's good. Uh, Amir Speed, I think, is still kind of questionable. He's practiced. Kenny McIntosh. Kirby seemed very optimistic about him, and and I'm pretty optimistic too after watching him go through drills yesterday. He was moving really well, and that's huge because Kendall Milton's going to miss two, three, four weeks now with a with an MCL strain, sprain, however you want to say it. So that's good. And then there were some rumors out there about Nicobe Dean. Um, he's dealing with a lower leg injury. I've heard different things. I've heard calf. I've heard shin. Either way, he practiced yesterday. He was out there. Kirby says he's fine. So that's kind of your update on the injury situation. No better time than the present, though, to take a break. We're going to do that. And then on the other side, we're going to get into Florida a little bit and start talking about some of those commitments Georgia got last week in a huge week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. See some folks asking where Rusty's at. We don't know. We don't know. He disappeared. No, I'm just playing. Rusty's Rusty's somewhere on the beating the uh, blacktop somewhere. He is he is riding, um, and uh, he'll be back. Definitely be back with us tomorrow. Um, somebody mentioned also that uh, the last time Rusty was absent, Georgia flipped Michael Williams. Um, I can't say that one's in the works. We may have had a clue that that was in the works last time, maybe a little bit, uh, but nothing we know of this time in terms of uh, imminent uh, recruiting news. But we will talk about Michael Williams and Barry Alexander here in just a little bit. But Kip, let's play a little ping pong first. Let's uh, let's go offense, defense on Florida, and. Based on what you've seen out of Florida this year, I'm currently putting together kind of a preview X's and O's thing, so I've had a chance to really dig into Florida the last couple days. Uh, Florida's offense, what do you know about it? What does Georgia need to be uh, be, uh, leery of going into this game? Well, more than any team we've seen this year, Florida's got quarterbacks who can run with the football for sure. I mean, that's the first obvious thing when you look at this offense – they don't have a Kyle Pitts in this offense. You know, that that that's a big thing there. Um, you know, that elite playmaker that no matter what you do, uh, you know, you can't really scheme for that on defense. And Kadarius Tony's not out there either. So, I mean, they are, they are really, really focusing on their ground game. It, whether it's Emory Jones, whether it's Anthony Richardson playing quarterback for them, or it's probably, you know, probably both, you're, you're going to see the quarterback keep that football a lot. And I think that's, you know, that is a different dynamic. We've talked about it before. Georgia's seen a little bit of it. You know, they've, they've defended it against guys like Bo Nix and um, they've done a pretty good job for the most part in that aspect. But I do think these guys are really athletic and, you know, they're a, they're a team that's going to take a lot of chances, you know, down the field as well. Jacob Copeland's a guy that, you know, you really have to account for. Um, someone that, you know, has good speed, but also, uh, you know, can make plays after the catch as well. But just a guy that, I mean, they're going to stretch the field. And if, if you think about it, it's pretty clear that this team has nothing to lose. You got Dan Mullen back against the wall. They're going to be aggressive with the football on, on offense. And, and you know, will that lead to turnovers? You think it probably will, but at the same time, I mean, that's how that's how you get explosive plays as well. You got to take some chances, you know, and, and try to find a situation where you have numbers uh, in your favor. And so that 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 is something that you'll get Georgia's defense, you know, two things that, that they haven't really – been pushed at you know a, a very athletic quarterback who can run the ball whenever he wants to and very good play at quarterback and I don't know if you're going to get very good play at quarterback out of Florida in, in this game but you are going to see guys I mean Emory leads the team in rushing I mean he's got almost 500 yards Anthony Richardson is averaging over 12 yards a carry is that that is a just another wrinkle that you're going to have to account for and I mean Malik Davis, Damian Pierce, those guys are both averaging well over five and a half 
uh, yards per carry as well. So it's clear that the ground game is going to be a focus and they're going to try to throw the ball downfield in spots as well. So, I mean, you're going to, uh, I think Kirby is right. They had to be kind of prepared for anything. You know, they're going to, they're going to try to take shots down the field and georgia has got to be smart on the perimeter and not let them get outside. They got to affect the quarterback. And if they can do that, good things will happen. You know, I, I, to that point, um, I, I agree with you. I don't think Georgia's really faced a, a runner at quarterback that's as good as either one of these guys. I think K.J. Jefferson might be the closest one, but he's a little different in, in more of that power uh, quarterback run mode. But something I was thinking about is if you go all the way back to Luke Doty, which I don't know if Georgia really had to prepare for him or not, but he played and they played against him. Luke Doty's a good runner, okay? Again, goes without saying, Emory Jones and Anthony uh, Richardson are better than than Luke Doty and everybody else that Georgia's played as far as their running ability. Luke Doty, they ended up having to play against – help me with the name, Kit. What was that kid's name, the, the kid from Georgia that plays for Vanderbilt that ended up playing a large portion of that game? Oh, Kyle Wright or uh, – Mike Wright. Yeah, Mike Wright, Michael Wright. Yeah, Mike Wright. Mike Wright, good runner, very different runner. What's that? Braves on the mind there a little bit. Uh, Hopefully we do not see uh, Kyle Wright this week. Yeah, let's don't don't see Kyle Wright in the World Series. Oh, (laughs) man. Uh, But, yeah, so Mike Wright, also mobile quarterback, very good runner. Uh, Then you get to K.J. Jefferson, Bo Nix, Will Levis. All of those guys mobile quarterbacks. Um, All of those guys compared as runners – compared to Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones, more appetizer than entree. Uh, but all of them kind of, you know, Georgia's prepared, Georgia's played, Georgia's gone up against them. Um, I, I think that helps. I think, you know, this this string of mobile quarterbacks Georgia's had to deal with, I think is a very, you know, and you go all the way back to DJ Uyunglele, that they they worked with him too. And, and he's another guy that's a, a capable runner. Again, not as good as these guys. So I think that's something that kind of helps Georgia. The thing that that I think sets these guys apart even more is the scheme. And listen, I know, I know the popular thing to do right now is to get on this podcast and talk about how big of a, you know, X Y Z that Dan Mullen is. The guy's got a good scheme for running quarterbacks. I don't care what you say; you'll never convince me otherwise. Very good scheme for running quarterbacks because he creates play action with his quarterback runs. Um, he, he designs them really well. He, he sets things up. He's a good play caller. And, you know, maybe, you know, for, for those of you who, who think Dan Mullen is a joke, I, I don't necessarily share in that opinion. I also don't share in the opinion that he's one of the top five game day coaches in college football. I think the truth is somewhere in between. Uh, he's a really good play caller and offensive coordinator. And, and, you know, he's going to have a good plan for this one, especially for some time off. Uh, but that's what I, the, you know, going through the X's and O's stuff, looking at some of the rub route stuff they do, Kip, some of the stuff they do with the running backs, some of the stuff they do with the tight ends, the way they put stress on defense conflict, uh, some of the double play action stuff they do where they'll fake it to a running back or a jet sweep guy, then they'll fake a power with the quarterback and then throw it. I know that's asking a lot of your offensive line, but he picks his spots really well and and buys as much time for his quarterbacks he can. I think Jacob Copeland's a good player. Uh, Justin Shorter is a good player. Florida's got some dudes on offense, and I'm not so sure this isn't Florida's best offensive line since Dan Mullen's been there. Um, now, with all that said, they haven't faced a defense in the same area code as Georgia, and that includes Alabama. I, mean, I watched Alabama play against Tennessee the other night, 
Alabama's defense is not as good as Georgia's now. Um, these two teams are going to play. They're going to both get better from here on out. Georgia and Alabama are more than likely going to play. Uh, but but I, I look at the scheme. I think the scheme with, with some time, how does Georgia adjust to what beat them last year? Uh, are they going to overcompensate to try and adjust to what beat them last year? Because what was it last year? Tight ends, running backs, wheel routes. Okay, how does Georgia adjust to that? And then ultimately, does does Florida have a counterpunch to that as well? I think that's something that I'm really looking for offensively. Defensively, Florida. Whew, that LSU game, man. Um, Kip, I'm going to say this about Florida's defense because I'm not going to be near as complimentary about it as I am Dan Mullen. Uh, that Those dudes don't like to be – play physical football they don't like it when you play physical football against them and uh I, I, i'll you'll see later on if you're a member of the site and you get to see x's and o's these dudes do not like physical football that's one thing that stands out to me about their defense what stands out to you about their defense well they don't force turnovers they're pretty handsy at, they're in the secondary as well um i think it's a team that seems to be i mean if they're not young, they kind of play young. They're not very disciplined out there. Um, they don't take great angles to the football. It's actually something I saw on Alabama's side as well in that game. But really for Florida, they're not going to – it doesn't look like they're going to attack the football. Um, they're, they don't find the ball carrier very well. They don't read and react quickly enough. And – Honestly, if you're gonna if you're gonna blitz, you really gotta have guys who kind of just, I mean, have that explosiveness and the ability to actually, you know, shed blockers because you're gonna you're not gonna get a free pass to the quarterback. Uh, the offensive line play is pretty good in this conference, or it's a focal point. And teams that are good in pass pro, uh, able to pick up the blitz, really really hurt this team. Um, and it, they're not getting home. They're not getting to the quarterback. That's kind of a recipe for disaster. I just think that um, th this team is, I mean, th they're doing a decent job as far as first first down is concerned, but you get them in second and, and third down situations, uh, they, they tend to break down. They, you know, and they, they kind of lose focus of, of what they're trying to do defensively. And I think it, you can give them a lot of fits in the run game in, the, in that area. And then at the same time, I think you're going to be able to, to take some shots down the field on them. And, and if you're not completing the pass, you're probably getting a flag in your favor. And so I, I think that for Georgia, obviously, you know, the way that Zamir White's been playing recently, uh, I think it bodes well for him to probably do pretty well in this game. Getting guys like Kenny McIntosh back, I think he's a guy that could really, really do well against these guys just because of, you know, his vision and the, the lack of vision from Florida's defense. There could really be some angles for him to get to the second level as well if he's getting in some opportunities in this game. So, you know, I, I think that, there are a lot of aspects uh, of what Todd Munkin likes to do that really, really bode well in, the, in these matchups. And it is a situation where you talk about the X's and O's. I just think the roster composition for, for Georgia and lack of it on Florida's side, it just seems like 
Florida's team is really, really missing a lot of the guys on both sides of football that <laughs> really, really made a lot of uh, big plays for them last year. They haven't replaced those guys. And that's where, I mean, that is where recruiting comes in. You, you know, you're going to lose guys to draft. You really got to be able to have guys to step in. And it looks like they're kind of depleted in that area heading into this matchup. Tell you what, this is an indictment of a defense when I can say this is is watching their games this year, Kip. If their linebackers have to deal with a block, high percentage of time they're toast because they don't take them on. They don't beat them. They don't. I mean, it's it's pretty rough. You know, I mean, you watch that LSU game. I'm sitting there watching inside linebackers. I mean, dang near run from blocks. And uh, I don't know if they got that fixed during the bye week. You know, maybe they challenged some guys. I mean, listen, I, you know, back in 2012, and I know Sean Williams' uh, call out was a big part of it. I watched Georgia's defense struggle to stop Kentucky's, you know, stop Kentucky's run game. All right. And then with a bye week and Sean Williams calling guys out and all that stuff, Georgia came out and was a different defense with Todd Grantham leading it against Florida the very next week. So, uh, or the very next game, so that may be the that maybe we see something like that. I don't know, but but if history is any indication, Florida's going to have their hands full with Georgia's run and pass game on Saturday. And uh, you know, to me, there's two players on that defense throughout the course of the year that I think are playing winning football, and it's Zachary Carter, who is a very good defensive lineman, and Kier mm-hmm. Elam. Um, who's a very, very good cornerback. I think both of those guys would contribute for Georgia, but that's where you draw the line. I mean, listen, Brenton Cox transferred from Georgia, and I'm not going to say it was for a reason or whatever. Uh, I mean, invisible man, basically, this year. I mean, he's he's, he's playing invisible man for them, and uh, we'll we'll see if he can kind of come up with something on Saturday or, or the Gators can come up with something on Saturday defensively to kind of get things going against Georgia because anytime they've played a pretty good offense, they have really, really struggled – um, aside really from that second half and, and, you know, parts of that second half against Alabama uh, where they did play well. Otherwise, it's it's been pretty bad, and, and Georgia's going to have some some chances, I think, in this game, and, and we'll get into more of that uh, tomorrow when we talk about our uh, Wednesday leans for the game. But before we let these folks go, Kip, two big-time defensive linemen, five-star Michael Williams flipping from USC, and they get Bear Alexander, the big bear, back into the class Kip, I think they met two massive needs in this class with kind of a zero one technique nose tackle type guy and a and an edge guy, edge slash five tech technique guy. What are you, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, amazing what what a week can do to to this recruiting class. Just a couple of days there, I think uh, it was back to back days, and all of a sudden, completely different perception on on the class. Obviously, overall, the big picture, Georgia's got the number one class in the country now, and so. Uh, you know, I, there's going to be plenty of shuffling still there. A lot of guys still re- to recruit. And as we said in this cycle, if they're able to replace people from the pr- transfer portal, then you could see up to, you know, 10 more guys in Georgia's class, you know, for the other classes. But, you know, Michael Williams, I mean, that, that obviously that's one, the in-state guy, you know, committed to USC, that, you know, coaching change there kind of opened it up. But he was a guy that, I mean, he had silently committed to Georgia for a while there. And uh, one of those commitment stories that Rusty and us were, were never able to run. And we've got double digits of those over the, over the years. I mean, all three of us, you know, we're probably looking 15, 20 commitment stories that we're never able to actually post on the site because they never I actually I found one became. in Google Docs the other day. 
Yeah, I found, like I, was, I found one in Google Docs that I had written. <laughs> I, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was for, but uh, uh, it, uh, I think it was PJ Locke. Okay. Because uh, he had, <laughs> I, I had gotten him on the phone just kind of out of the blue. He said, yeah, Jeremy Pruitt offered me when Jeremy Pruitt was defensive coordinator. He ended up going to Texas, I think. Uh, he said, yeah, Jeremy Pruitt offered me, and uh, I'm going to commit tomorrow. And I said, can I go ahead and get that commitment story? And he was like, yeah. And I got quotes from him, wrote it, and I guess they didn't take his commitment the next day. I guess it was one of those kind of mm. keep him warm type offers. But, yeah, wrote that one. I, saw, I found it in Google Docs the other day. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, exactly. I mean, it's just it. We have those in, in every class. I mean, I had a Marcus Robertson, if we're talking about Florida. I mean, I had a Marcus Robertson commitment story you know, that, that he gave to me for, for Georgia. I mean, there are guys every cycle. Uh, it just, that's just the way it goes. But this one, you know, the, you know, we got to post it, but obviously uh, those commitment photos were a little outdated at the time. And, you know, we had the, you know, we've had that happen as well, but talking about the commitment, I mean, Michael Williams, six, five, you know, maybe he's two sixty five right now, a lot of discussion on, you know, how he projects to college, you know, he get, gets recruited as maybe a stand-up rush end. I just think his physical development is nowhere near done. I think he's a guy that could push, you know, maybe 300 pounds when all is said and done, play, play a five technique and maybe give him a Stefan it type player. You know, a guy that uh, I believe when, when Todd Grantham was at Georgia, didn't recruit very heavily there for most of his recruitment because – he didn't think that the Monroe area prospect was, was tough enough to play at Georgia. And I think that, you know, he's kind of proven that wrong, did a pretty good job at Notre Dame and has had a pretty solid, you know, cup of coffee in the NFL so far. And I just think that's kind of that physical projection, a guy that could end up being close to 300 pounds when all is said and done, uh, really physical, has some athleticism, scheme versatile, you know, you can play him, like I said, as a five. He can move inside and, you know, if depending on your scheme. And you could play it in really any scheme just because of that, the, the wingspan that he has. I can't remember the number, Russ, he said, but it's really far up there. He's got a yeah. long wingspan. That's, that's the type that, you know, really allows you to do a lot of things with him. And he's a guy, like I said, you bring in, see how he progresses and play him, you know, play him wherever it fits best. And then obviously – Barry Alexander, I mean, we got asked, you know, when he decommitted, that was the question. Who is Georgia going to replace him with in this class? And we did not have an answer for you there because we know Jordan Davis has a future in the NFL. We know how important a guy like that is to this scheme because you just see how well they're able to play when he's on the field. You can't, I mean, you can't call anyone, including Bear Alexander, a Jordan Davis replacement because, again, that guy's shown himself to just be an elite player and, you know, just completely different than other guys his size. Bear Alexander is not as big as Jordan Davis. Like I said, few are. But 6'3", 325 pounds, if you're talking about a guy who can play the nose position in Georgia's defense and still be a guy that's disruptive as well, not just a, you know, a run stuffer, that is Bear Alexander. I mean, he is a guy that can really, really make things difficult for opposing offensive linemen. I mean, he can play in a two-eye, three technique on on, on passing downs. Um, he's got an outstanding first step. He's he's obviously stout in the middle, coming off the ball, and he's a line of scrimmage changer. And there again, we 
there was not another one that we could really find the class that was, you know, at that level that Bear Alexander is. And so now Georgia, I mean, you obviously want to hold on to him. He's uh, made a, you know, a couple commitments so far and he's at IMG Academy now. And that's a high school that Georgia's done a good job recruiting. When he moved there from Texas, we thought Georgia's probably in a better place now than they were before. Let's see what happens. Did not expect it to happen this quickly, but I mean, he's seen enough from Georgia's defense and, and they've obviously made him a priority. It seems like, you know, they, they've won out over Texas A&M right now. I, I think as of now, you know, he's a good, solid shot to, to stick in this class. And it, like you said, it makes this defensive class line class look completely different. They're able to get a, add a guy like, you know, Christian Miller at, you know, Cedar Grove to this class. I mean, you, I don't think you could ask for a better class from for Trey Scott. And I think he's obviously earned it with, you know, what he's the product he's put on the field this year, the development and depth that, that they've been able to get at the defensive line position. This is the kind of depth in the recruiting class that can pay a lot of dividends. We could be talking about the defensive line in three to four years the same way that Georgia's defensive line gets talked about right now. Yeah, and I tell you what, man, uh, you know, obviously Kristen Miller is a guy that that is uh, trending Georgia's way. And uh, when I watch all four of the guys, you know, him including with uh, included with uh, Michael Williams, Bear Alexander, and uh, Tyree West, man, I I think Kristen Miller might be the best one of them. I think he might be the the, the best defensive lineman of that group, and that's saying something because I like all three of the other ones, and I think uh, there's some versatility in that group. And Trey Scott's on fire, man. Uh, he is absolutely on fire. And uh, again, I'm, I'm still working on. I'm still working on a little bit of a long form there. I don't do them very often. It takes me a little while uh, uh, to to kind of put those together. But still working on something with him and kind of his path to Georgia's path as the defensive line coach. And uh, based on what I, what Pete Jenkins told me, the great Pete Jenkins, there's no surprise when when you kind of read this and kind of read what he's got as a coach and and as a developer and just as a person in general. Uh, and 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 Georgia's role in there. And they're they're trending for some other guys. Florida's leaking oil in their recruiting class, and Georgia might be the one to kind of reap the benefits from that. Uh, we'll see how it goes, and we'll have it all covered for you at Dogs twenty four seven. We will be back with you tomorrow, Rusty and Tow. I believe it'll be me and Rusty uh, on tomorrow's show, and uh, we're going to talk. We're going to do mailbag. Uh, we're going to talk. We're going to give him a chance to talk about these uh, recent commitments, and we're going to do our Wednesday leans uh, for Florida. And then we'll be back again on Thursday to make picks. And then on Friday, I'm headed down to the uh, to the cocktail party to enjoy myself, and uh, hopefully, uh, you guys will get the results you want. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, sit. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24/7. He's Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. Oh, nope, there is no Rusty Mansell. See, I get, get got into a little bit of a groove there that I have to kind of fix myself. He's Kip Adams from the same place, and y'all take it easy.